Father God, thank you for the, your hand upon Joseph's preparation. Thank you for the work and prayer that she's put into this sermon. May we be ready to hear what you have to say to us. Help open our hearts, open our ears to listen and learn, to be reminded, to take away and do. May you give Josie the words to say. May you help her foot not to be paining her at all. May she have no distractions. And uh, we ask for it to be healed, Lord. Bring her, bring her back to feeling comfortable running and not, uh, not injured. Father God, be with us as we listen to what she brings now. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. How exciting. It's nearly Christmas. <laughs> this is really exciting because do you know what today is officially called in the church of church calendar? Anyone? Promise of a saviour. Go on. Advent Sunday. Well done, Victoria. Full marks. <laughs> um, Advent means looking forward to the coming of something or somebody very important. So that's why it's called Advent Sunday, because obviously we're looking forward to Christmas, which is why we've got the church looking all lovely. And I just want to do a massive shout out to Liz and Alan, to Lizzie, to Nicola, to everybody that came down and really helped us do the Christmas decorations on Friday. It was amazing. <laughs> Big round of applause. <laughs> and also, I want to do another shout out to anybody that um, volunteered at the Tesco Collection Week. Woohoo! Thank you so much, everybody. We so appreciate that. We've had, we're going we're gonna to literally, um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. And we've just had so many donations all week. And we've had schools and we've had youth groups and we've had um, charities. You know, we've had so many different groups um, helping us down there, the, the food bank, which the church hosts. It's the, the church charity, which is really great. So, um, so, yeah, thank you so much for doing that. Really, really appreciate that. And Tracy at Tesco thinks we might, Bradford might actually win nationally. So come on. <laughs> Bradford, generous city, which is great. Okay, so yeah, so we've been looking at the echoes of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. And with it being Advent Sunday, I thought it was most appropriate for us to look back through some of the Old Testament prophecies and promises that were written about Jesus all the way through the Bible scattered in the Old Testament clues to this Messiah, this promised one. I don't know if you remember last week, but Alicia spoke amazingly about how ever since right at the beginning of Genesis, so thousands of years ago, God was putting in place his rescue plan for humanity. He wasn't just going to let us sit and wallow in our sin and our wrongdoing. He had a rescue plan. And for 3,000 years, that was written about all throughout the, New Test the Old Testament. Amazing, scattered clues about what this promised Messiah would look like and how he would bring in a time of peace. A time when we would be with God in a whole new way, in a way that we'd never imagined before. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. And these, these pictures, these things that are thrown into the New Testament, 
There's over 300 prophecies of Jesus that he fulfilled during his birth and his lifetime. And these are scattered throughout the Old Testament, a bit like jigsaw puzzle clues. That they don't, you know, a jigsaw, it doesn't look like anything, does it? All the pieces when they're just empty in the box. But it's only when they're put together and made sense of with the picture that you can see the full picture of the Messiah. Or a painting where somebody starts to paint and you don't really know what it is. And it's only at the end that it's revealed. And I'm going to show you this film that you might have seen before, possibly because I showed it a couple of years ago, so forgive me for that. <laughs> so if you have seen it, but it's still awesome. When I looked at it again, I was like, oh, yeah, this is so great. I can't not play this. So can Chris, can you play that?
Ooh, the rest will be to come. So can you imagine God, the master creator, the master artist with a blank canvas in the beginning? Then he picks up a brush, speaks through the prophet Isaiah, paints a massive stroke on that canvas about what the Messiah would look like. Through Micah, through Zechariah, all throughout the Old Testament, changing colours, changing brushes to paint this picture of what the Messiah, the anointed one, the rescuer, who would bring in a new dawn, where we can have life in all of its fullness, in relationship with God himself, in a completely new way. That's what's happening throughout the Old Testament. It describes his miraculous birth. These are prophecies that were written 800, 600, 1,000 years before Jesus was born. They described his miraculous birth, his family line, where he would be born, how he would defend the poor, how he, even how he would communicate, that he would bring us peace and be a friend to us, that he would be a humble servant king, yet the most powerful man that ever walked the earth. He described the type of death he would suffer and what that death would mean for us as mankind. So let's look at some of these. This verse was written by the prophet Isaiah 800 years before Jesus was born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. His conception would be miraculous. This is how it was fulfilled in Luke 1. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby to be born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. He doesn't have an earthly father. God himself is his father. Isaiah in Isaiah 11 described his family line, who he would be descended from. Jesus had no control over these things. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. What Isaiah is talking about here is, de- is Jesus was a defender descendant of King David, Israel's most powerful, most celebrated, the king who loved God the most. But in a new way, because Joseph wasn't his dad, God himself was his father. So this new branch bearing fruit from the old, it was within the family line, but in a completely new way, a radical way, because God himself was Jesus' father. So a new family line. Imagine those family charts where it all goes down naturally, but a whole new branch is coming off, where a new family is going to be created and born because they're born of God, not born of earthly descendants. This is the promise. This is the thing that Isaiah was talking about. And we can all join in on that. Not, it's not about who we're descended from and whether we happen to be part of that famous family of Israel, we are all included because we can all be born of God. That's the promise of the new Messiah. Amazing. Then Micah, in Micah 5, talks about where the Savior would be born. 
the whole earth, the whole world, and he pins down a small town. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from the distant past. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but his origins were from the distant past. He was there in the beginning. All things were made through him and because of him and for him, it says in John 1. Jesus was there at the beginning of time. His origins are from the distant past, and yet he was born in Bethlehem. This is the Messiah. Then God picks up another brush, another color, and talks about how this Messiah would speak up for the poor. Isaiah 11 goes on from the the new branch, and he says, The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And what is he going to do with all of that? He's going to give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. Jesus was all about standing up for the poor. In his maiden speech, we all know in Isaiah 61, he, he declared that over himself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. This is why I've come. This is my mission, to preach good news to the poor. The Old Testament's full of it. And the Old Testament even talks about how the Messiah is going to communicate, which I love. In Psalm 78, it says, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to my words out of my mouth. I will utter my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old. See that again? Hidden things, things from the distant past, things from old. Jesus spoke in stories. He spoke in parables. No other teacher had done that. And he did it, it was a new way to explain the eternal truths of God in a way that people had never heard before. Things that had been hidden from before. Jesus was explaining these eternal truths in the parables that he spoke about. He was a master communicator, wasn't he? The people would come to him, the Pharisees would come to him with a really big problem, try and trick him, try and trap him, and he would answer with a story. He'd answer with a parable that just went totally from their surface, really way down deep with layers of depth. And as Christians, the more and more you look at these things, the more you get out of them, don't you? Which is amazing. Then the the Old Testament talks about how this king, this Messiah, will be a friend to us that can give us peace as well. In Isaiah 9, a famous verse, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This son will not only be a mighty God and a wonderful counselor and an everlasting father, but he'll be a Prince of Peace. He'll be our friend that we can confide in, that will give us peace, that passes understanding no matter what we're going through, no matter what our circumstances Jesus said in John 14, 27, which is one of my favorite verses, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Just grab hold of that if that's for you this morning. I am leaving you with a gift. Jesus is offering you a gift this Christmas, this Advent. The most precious, amazing gift ever. The gift of peace, 
of mind and of heart. And it's a supernatural gift. It's not based on the natural. It's based on the supernatural. Then in Zechariah, talks about how this mighty God will also be a humble servant king. Zechariah 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So Zechariah is saying he is a, a mighty God. His rule will never end. And yet, he's coming to you. Right, he's coming to you lowly, riding on a donkey. Jesus said, whoever wants to be the greatest must be the servant of all. Jesus washed his, his servant's feet, which was considered the worst job for a servant. He humbled himself to death, even death on the cross. And his mode of transport and his most victorious entrance into Jerusalem, he chose a donkey, which signified humility. This was what the Messiah was going to look like. The Old Testament pointed to that. It gave clues to that. This is what your Messiah is going to look like. He's going to be mighty and powerful, but he's going to be humble and he's going to be a servant king. Daniel prophesied about the Son of Man. He said, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel caught a glimpse of this Messiah's glory and his power. And the, his kingdom being an eternal one. And Jesus actually referenced this prophecy and sentenced himself to death as he did so. In Mark 14, the high priest asked him, he's been arrested, he's standing in judgment, and he, the high priest asks him the most important question, are you the Messiah? Are you this promised one that we've been waiting thousands of years for? Are you the one that the Old Testament has been telling us about? Jesus answered by quoting Daniel's prophecy, which they would have known full well. He said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. This was absolutely shocking. Jesus was on trial. He was going to be sentenced to death if it was blasphemy, if he claimed to be God. And Jesus said, yes, I am the Messiah. He leaves us in no doubt. Jesus said that he was the Son of God. A person that claims these things, as C.S. Lewis has famously said, is either Lord, he is who he said he is, he's a lunatic, totally self-deluded, or he's a liar. He can't be a good man. He can't be a good prophet. He said, I am, and you will see me, the Son of Man, seated of power, in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. No wonder that the high priest tore his clothing to show his horror 
and said, do we need any other witnesses? You've all heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? Guilty, they all cried. He deserves to die. And I guess that question is the most important question for all of us, for every person on this planet. What is your verdict? Do you say he's Lord? Do you say he's lunatic? Or do you say he's liar? And on that question is eternal life. The Old Testament even describes, after that, obviously, he was crucified. And the Old Testament describes crucifixion and how this Messiah would die in really graphic detail, doesn't he, in Psalm 22. David, just a part of that psalm, is in Psalm 22. And this was written 800 years before crucifixion was even invented. And it describes crucifixion so in-depth. Just a little part of it, he says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide their gar my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. I'm sure that when the Roman soldiers were crucifying Jesus, the last thing they wanted to do was to fulfill David's prophecy of the Messiah. And that's exactly what they did do. They gambled for his clothing. And in Isaiah 53, Isaiah tells us in chapter 53 why he needed to go through that pain. For he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And that's the good news, that Jesus died for us so that we can have a relationship with him, full, forgiven, completely pure and blameless in his sight, which is amazing. Which is why we celebrate Christmas so much, because it's the beginning of the story. So even though there are hundreds, literally hundreds of prophecies littered in the Old Testament about this Messiah, the brushstrokes painting a picture of his birth, of his life, of his death for centuries, Jesus still came as a surprise. It wasn't the plan or the promise they imagined. It wasn't a kingdom they could see with their eyes, a conquering king in the physical. If it had have been that, Jesus would have potentially brought peace for 30 years. 2,000 years on, it's a bit like, big deal. But Jesus, God, had so much bigger, grander plans than they could possibly imagine. Jesus was talking about a kingdom that would last for eternity. And now we can be citizens of that kingdom. We can know God, God with us, God Emmanuel, closer than we've ever thought possible. And that's the promise, the far greater promise. And that's why today at Advent, we are so looking forward to celebrating the birth of our Messiah. Can you play the last bit of the video?